Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you today. And this being the last weekend of our summer series and the official end of summer, I thought I would just wear one of my crazy shirts, white shoes. Yeah, next week it's going to be like flannels and boots and stuff like that. Anybody else? No? I love fall, though. I love I love summer, but I, I really love fall. That's my favorite time of the year. I mean, like as a kid, like new, like got back to school, new backpacks, school, notebooks, pencils, new, turn over a new leaf. Anybody? It's a good chance to get, yeah, right? Yeah, some of you people are going to get it later, and uh, it's okay. But, but I'm glad that you're here on this Labor Day weekend. I think people that go to church on Labor Day and holiday weekends, like, have a special place in heaven. Amen. You don't agree? I agree with that. I think you do. I mean, I think it's like a little extra something, something. Maybe like you get like a, a pool in your, in your mansion in heaven or something like that. You like a bonus TV room or something. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up and I'm looking at you at the same time and just seeing what your response is. That's not theologically correct. That's just what I think. It doesn't really matter, but it's anyhow. So, uh, but if you have your Bibles, only turn with me to um, Acts chapter 27, Acts 27. And as you're turning there, I also want to make mention of, uh, of a couple and a family that have been serving with us for well over a decade. And so when you see them, I want you to say thank you, say hello, high five, whatever, give them a gift card, do something. But the Coggins family, Ryan and Amanda Coggins, and I think they have 12 kids. No, they have four. And so... Um, they, uh, they, they've been with us this past week for 12 years. Ryan serves our executive pastor. Uh, and so I've always said, if Ryan goes someplace, I'm going. So sometimes people ask me from time to time, are, are you going anywhere? And the answer is, is Ryan resigned? And if he's no, then I'm here. So if Ryan resigns, then we're all in deep trouble because I want to, wherever he's going, I'm going to go with him. And so anyhow, but, uh, but would you guys give Ryan a big, big, big hand and Amanda and the kids? So... You know, the, the average time that a senior pastor in, in the U.S. serves in, in a church is seven years. That's the average pastor at length. And the average associate's around two years to three years. The average youth pastor's like nine months. I don't know what that says about youth pastors. But anyhow, but, uh, but so to have, so as we have staff that have been here for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve years plus, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing and it's a big blessing to, to, to us as a team, the team and the staff and all that. And so... Um, also, when we're getting into this message today, it's going to be a little bit, let me give you some background. Let me kind of dive into this. I'm going to show you some pictures too in just a minute. And so they'll get those ready. But, uh, but um, uh, I'm, I'm talking about when Paul, and we're, read, we're going to read through the book of Matthew chapter 27. Chapter 28, verse 1, which we're not going to read, lets us know that chapter 27, actually where everything ends is on this island called Malta. 
And so Malta is in the Adriatic Sea, kind of throughout the Mediterranean area of the world. And so actually this summer, I happened to be on a trip. And so I think there's going to be a picture that's going to come up here. This is the, this is the city, the island of Malta. And so it's this old, old world, uh, European style city. And Paul would have gone, uh, when we find out, because we're talking about Paul's shipwreck today, about uh, they, would have, they would have wound up in these catacombs. So you can see this, and this is me and Tammy and our youngest, Ava. And so this is where they said Paul would have been. Uh, they, there's these, this cave system right over the, the, the side of, of this. Uh, this, this on this uh, island of Malta. And so that's where when Paul was shipwrecked, that's where they would have gone to. Actually, it was a World War II bunker. And then, uh, but the Adriatic Sea, this is where this shipwreck, where we're going to read chapter 27, this is where this took place. We kind of did something a little bit different at chapter 27. We decided to jump into the water. So why don't you check out this real quick video of me and a couple of friends kind of doing that along with hey, Ava. Go! That's it, right there. Throw, slow motion, see all the fat in motion. Here we go. Boom, and the guy right there in the, in, the, in the teal shorts, that's Brad Rosenberg. And so, boom. Yep. So that's like the coldest, saltiest water I've been in in a long, long, long time. But that's where the, I, that's where the water was there. I thought I'd get more applause than that. But anyhow. Um, and so, anyhow, so it was just kind of fun. But it was interesting to me because we were on this trip this summer. And this is where all of this chapter 27 took place. And when you read something in the Bible and then you kind of go there, it kind of brings to light a little bit of wow. It gives you some context. And, uh, and so I want to kind of go into this because I think, and I'm going to bring some application to, because in life we all deal with storms and that's what's going on. Luke is the writer of the book of, of Acts. And Luke is a, he's a physician. Uh, he's not a sailor. Uh, but his account reads more like a journal. It, it's, it's, a, it's not like a ship log. And, um, and so this journey, they would have sailed along the coast. It was the wrong time of the year for open sailing. The, 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 the vessel that they're in in the first century would have looked a lot more like a, a wooden uh, barge, if you would. It was very square with a big single mast. Uh, outfitting would have been rigged with one huge, enormous sail. And, uh, but it's not made for high winds or high seas, but that's exactly what they encounter. And basically, Acts chapter 27 records what we would call a perfect storm. And so, but I want you to remember that in this journey, Paul is being led by the Lord to go in this direction. And, um, but this storm happens and that happens in our own life. And we're going to kind of unpack that is that God begins to lead us in directions. We've been talking about when God speaks and we begin to follow the leading of the Lord and what happens. But then when storms come up in the middle of that, I hope that you know that, that when God leads you in a direction, it doesn't mean that it's absent of storms or conflict to the contrary you may find more storms and more conflict because you are going against the grain. You are, remember Ephesians chapter six, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness. We, there is a spiritual war that goes on when we're doing what God's asking us to do. And Paul finds this to be a reality. So I wanna kind of go through Acts chapter 27. So if you've got that, you can turn there. If you don't, it's gonna be on the screen. We're gonna start in verse four. And out to sea again, we sailed north under the protection of the northeastern shore of Cyprus because the winds of the west were against us. And then along the coast, upper towards the port, port of Myra. There the centurion found an Egyptian ship headed for Italy and transferred us on board. Remember, they're going, they're trying to get to, to Rome. And we ran into bad weather and found it impossible to stay on course. After much difficulty, we finally made it to the southern coast of the island of Crete. And, and we docked at Good Harbor, which is an appropriate name. 
Look at verse 9. And by this time, we had lost a lot of time. We had passed the autumn equinox, so it would be a stormy weather from now all the way through until winter, too dangerous for sailing. And Paul warned, I only see disaster ahead for the cargo and the ship to say nothing of our lives if we put out in the sea now. Verse 12. Excuse me, verse 11 and 12. But it was not the best harbor for staying in winter. Phoenix, a few miles further on, was more suitable. The centurion set Paul's warning aside and let the ship captain and the ship owner talk him into trying for the next harbor. But when a gentle southerly breeze came up, they weighed anchor, thinking it would be smooth sailing. But they were no sooner out to sea than a gale force wind, the infamous nor'easter, struck, and they lost all control of the ship, and it was in the cork of the storm. So, again, Paul's like, hey, this is not a smart idea. This is not a great time of year. This kind of goes against any conventional wisdom. But, but those that were in leadership kind of went in, in a completely different direction, and they began to kind of say, no, we're going to go ahead and do this anyhow. And, and, again, Paul is kind of along for the ride on this. He doesn't have choice because he's under the, the, the um, basically under the keep. He's under the, the jurisdiction of this Roman centurion that's, that's commissioned to bring him to Rome. I want to skip down to verse 29. I'm going to come back to it in a minute. But this is kind of the key verse for this whole chapter. So I want to jump ahead. It's going to be on the screen. And ahead, or excuse me, afraid that we were about to run aground, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. That's exactly what happens. Afraid we were about to run run aground, we threw out four anchors and we prayed for daylight. The solution during the middle of the storm is that they were going to use these anchors. And, and, and Paul says, or actually it's Luke that says that there were four anchors that they used. Now let me just stop here for just a minute. I'm not trying to put too much into the story, but it's into the narrative here, but it's, it's all here. An anchor, whether it was in, in, with a ship or, 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 or any type of, of an issue, it's an object that's used to fix or fasten or moor an object, usually a boat, uh, to create stability and eliminate drifting. So you know that, I know that, we all get that. But, but the Bible says that they put out these four different anchors. And what's interesting as you read through this passage, through this account, there are four major things that are happening that I would kind of connect to, to anchors. Uh, and it's not that, that Luke doesn't tell us that these four anchors symbolizes this, but rather these are four things that are taking place in the middle of the storm. There are also four different things that I think as we go through storms in life, when God's leading us somewhere, we're not always in control and the perfect storm arises, even when we kind of say, guys, this probably isn't the best, best course of action, but we go there anyhow and we're finding ourselves in that situation. These are four anchors. These are four consistencies. These are, these are four things that we'll, we'll observe that actually happen in this passage that I think are applicable for us. The first of all is stability. In the middle of a storm, you are trying to find stability. Whether that storm is physical, whether that storm is emotional, whether that storm is financial, whether that storm is relational, whether that storm is spiritual, you are looking to find stability. The same thing is true here. Look at verse 20 of chapter 27 of the book of Acts. And the winds and the waves were battling us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. That's a great feeling. Verse 21, and with our appetite for food and life long gone, Paul took his place in the midst of us and said, friends, you should really have listened to me back at Crete. We could have avoided all of this trouble and trial, but there's no need to dwell on that now, right? You're a loser, but we get that, so let's go on, right? From now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there will not be a single drowning among us. Although I can't say as much for the ship, the ship itself is doomed. 
This is exactly what he says. Look at verse 23. Last night, God's angel stood at my side, and the angel of God that I serve saying this to me, don't give up, Paul, for you are going to stand before Caesar yet, and everyone with you is also going to make it. So, dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me, and we're not going to shipwreck on, uh, on some island or another. But we're going to shipwreck on some island or another. But the essence is we're not going to lose our lives in this. The, the stability in the middle of this storm is that you're not going to die. Again, the ship may be gone, but you're not going to be gone. How do I know this? Because this is what God said to me. So Paul kind of as a leader kind of stands right in the middle of that situation and he speaks to it. Why? Because he's not speaking on his own authority. He's not speaking on his own thoughts or his own ideas, but he's speaking on what God has said to him. Can I just help you? Like stability holds true even when navigation fails. Stability will hold true in your life even when navigation fails. Because sometimes you'll navigate a particular direction and all hell breaks loose and the storms break loose. But when you have stability, even in the middle of the storm, you can know everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to die and and they're not going to eat me. So they're not going to kill me. They're not going to eat me. I'm going to live to die another day. At least this life is going to, to move on. Because in the middle of a storm, it's easy to lose your bearing. In the middle of a storm, it's, it's easy to lose, lose sight, lose perspective. But verse 26, Paul says, do not give up. Because you and everyone with you are going to make it. And sometimes just having this stability in the middle of whatever you're going through, knowing you're going to make it, you're going to overcome You're going to do this. So what's the word of God for you in whatever storm you may be facing? That's the reason why we go all the way back to God's word. We lean so heavily on God's word that if it were to move, we would fall. It's another one of the reasons why I really want to promote to with you today. This weekend, we start a brand new, there's a new soap journal. So that scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So this last, there's three of those, kind of a three, we kind of break it in three different segments. And there's three different journals through the course of the year that we begin to read. Actually, we'll be reading this passage somewhere in, in November. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting to this again. But I would encourage you, if you're not reading God's word on a regular basis, grab one of those journals, read two chapters a day, and just, just read it. Just, if, if you don't get anything out of it, just get into the discipline. Get into the habit of reading it. Get, because what will begin to happen is, is, that, is that your discipline at some point will bring you to a point of, of desire and to delight, and, and then it will bring return into your life. But sometimes there are just these seasons and that that's okay, but, but get into God's word. Why? Because God's word will never return void. It will never come back empty. It will. And in the middle of the storms, God begins to remind you of the things. He begins to remind you of his word. He begins to remind you of his promises. He begins to resonate that in your soul. Why? Because you have planted God's word in your heart. And so all Paul is doing is saying, look, this is what God's word says. This, this is what the word of the Lord said to me. And so then everybody kind of takes hope that, hey, the ship may go down. We're probably going to be shipwrecked, but we're not going to die and we're all going to live. And so there's stability in the middle of the storm. And if you're leading, it's important that you understand if you're in leadership, it's because it, what's even interesting here with Paul is Paul's not the leader of this. The centurion is in charge, but leadership is influence. And influence is not based on a title or a position. Influence is based upon a a relational currency of equity that you have with one another. And so whether you're in a corporation, whether you're on a team, whether you're in a classroom, or whether you're in, 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 it doesn't matter the, the, the dynamic of the team that you're in. When you began to own that, you began to stand in leadership, and you began to give stability in the middle of a storm, it brings a certain amount of peace and comfort to people that are around you. 
Because most people don't have that. Most people lose it. Most people just kind of just, it's like, it's just, they, they've lost it. They, 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 don't, they don't have perspective and they can't keep their cool in the middle of this. But a leader kind of steps in and, and says, here's what's going on. Let's bring stability to the situation. That's exactly what Paul does. But his stability is not coming from him or from human ingenuity. Because human ingenuity got him into this mess. But God's word is what gives them peace that we're not going to die. So, and, and, and um, so, so let, let, let's, let's cruise right on. The second anchor that we have here is unity. The second thing that we see in this passage is unity. Um, let's read this in Acts chapter 27, verse 27. And on the 14th night, so they're in the middle of the storm for a long time, Adrift somewhere in the Adriatic Sea, you saw what I did in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors sensed that we were approaching land and sounding a measure of depth of about 120 feet. And shortly after uh, uh, 90 feet, afraid we were about to run aground, they threw out four anchors and they prayed for daylight. And some of the sailors tried to jump ship and they let down the lifeboat, pretending they were going out to, to get more anchors from the bow. But Paul saw through their guys and told the centurion and his soldiers, if these, if these sailors don't, don't stay with the ship, we're all going down. So the soldiers cut the lines of the lifeboat and let them drift off. There's a natural tendency during a storm to cut and run. There's a natural tendency when we're in the middle of something just to go, okay, I'm, I'm done, I quit, I'm, I, it's over. It's, there's a temptation to abandon the ship and, and each person to kind of fend for themselves. But the secret to surviving a storm, whatever kind of storm that you're facing, is staying together. And understand that you and I are designed to make it together. This is, this is what's really important, I think, even in the life of a Christ follower to get, is that when there are storms that are facing your marriage, don't let the storm tear you apart. Let it bring you together. You have a choice in how you're going to manage that tension of that storm. When you have a storm and you're facing something as a student, as a, as a child, right? I don't mean to say that because like, I know every like, 19-year-old goes, I'm not a child. I'm a little kid. I'm a grown adult. I, I get all that. But, right, but you're still somebody else is paying your bills. Let's just be real about this, okay? <laughs> Here's what I'm saying about that is don't pull against your parents. Lean into them. Lean into them. And because the reality is, is that, is that, again, is that unity in the middle of that storm. So when you begin to face things, don't think, hey, I've got to have this, this pretense that everything's perfect. No, just be honest. Like, they, they probably know it anyhow. And because they've been there. It's, it's just life. Life is very cyclical. Life kind of runs in cycles. And so, you know, that's the reason why they can look at one of your friends and go, this is who they are. They look at a boyfriend and go, he's not good for you. And how do you know him? You don't even know him. Yeah, I know him. I know that person. I know that personality. I know exactly what that is. And I'm right. And no, you're not right. You're never right. You hate me. And no, it's, no, I don't. I just, I'm telling you where this ends because I've, I've been down this road before. There's only so many personalities out there, right? And so there's only, it's just people kind of, Life runs in cycles. We're not, it's not any different. And, but what happens is in the middle of the storm to be able to pull apart. No, you pull together. The church, you're facing a tough time. You don't pull apart, you pull together. Nothing works like a local church works and a local church works the way a local church is designed to work. You, you pull together. Um, whatever it may be that God's called you to do, you, you pull together, you lean into that. And that unity is what gets you through. 
Uh, you're, you're not just jumping ship and just going, well, I'm out of here. I'm done. Forget this, whatever. I'm gonna do. No, 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 no. You're in the middle of this storm. Who has God brought around you? Who is around you? There'll be some people that'll be weaker than you. Some people that will be stronger than you. But you, and maybe God's got you there to be, to be a support to the leadership. Maybe God's risen you up to be, or raised you up to be the leader. Uh, you know, may, maybe not, but, but, but you're in all of this. So how do you lean in? How do you do that? Um, and, and so in the middle of a storm, the tendency is to, to jet, but you stay. As I'm reading this, I'm, I'm thinking of the history of Life Church. You know, Life Church was planted in the fall of 2000 with 35 people at Germantown High School. And the bottom line was there was a, a guy who was the pastor. It was not even called Life Church then. We changed the name and did all of that. But uh, he just was a bad guy. I don't know how to say it. And uh, from, the, from day one, just had a very manipulative way that he was going to go about and try to deceive the people of the church and, and undermine the denomination and everything that, that was trying to help him. And so the church, because of his charismatic giftings, took off relatively quickly. But as quickly as it took off, it also fell to the ground. And uh, within about, I don't know, it was uh, 15 months, 17, 18 months, he had embezzled tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, he had um, committed some major crime. The DA of the county actually went and um, went after him. And being unrepentant about his actions, the denomination said, he's yours. And he went to the state penitentiary. And Tammy and I come in right after that. Had never seen your pastor before in our life. Wanted to plant a church because he didn't want to deal with anybody else's problems. And here we were. There was 100 people in the storefront. Some of you were in that storefront, were here today. And it was the most incredible, and I don't say that because of the people that are here. It's the, very, it's the truth of the matter. The, it was the most incredible group of people I had ever been around that were all unified on one thing. They wanted to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And they wanted to be a light to this community. And everybody said, shut your doors. The denomination had no hope. The, everybody was, except for this group of people. And I remember sitting here meeting going, I want to plant a church because I don't deal with anybody else's problems. This is a pretty big problem. I mean, this guy's really messed up. I'm going to have to walk in and restore the, 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 the trust of the people back into the clergy. Uh, I mean, we're, 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 we're not even two years old. This is a small, you know, Germantown's, a, I mean, it's part of the Milwaukee metro area. But, every, you know, it's not like all politics are local. And this isn't going to, this is going to fare well. And, and uh, the guy was actually not from the state I was from, but he was from another part, another state in the south. So he had a southern accent, so that didn't help me at all. And, um, you know. And I really can't change how I talk. I've really tried. Don't you know? But I'm just saying, like, that's it. And, and, and so it's one of those things where I was just like, and in the middle of that, the thing that I saw wasn't me. I didn't have the answers. I'd never seen your pastor before. I had never been this far north before. I, I used to think when I got here, people go, we're going to go north for the weekend. I told Tammy, I said, these people must have go to Canada. I, that's the only thing I know. There's no other further north that you go to than, all right? Then, I mean, it's like, there's the lake and there's Canada. And so it must be on the other side of Lake Superior. And that's, that's all I know, Tammy. I mean, this is, so I know you laugh, but I mean, it's, it's the truth. And so, but the reality is, is that the people that were here could have just said, forget this. Man, we've got other troubles. We've got other problems. We've got other issues. We're in the middle of a storm. Let's just, 
let's just hit the lifeboat and go and let the ship sink. But they didn't. And I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to my heart and to Tammy's heart about this. I'm about to do a great work, and I'm just asking you to be a part. 17 years later, the Life Church, you were just named this past month the 17th fastest growing evangelical church in the country. Not just denominationally, it's Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, evangelical, Protestant churches. You're the 17th fastest growing in the country. And I just stop and think about how much the enemy wanted to come in and just squash this. How much he just wanted us to throw in the towel. How much he sent a storm in just to go, it's over. But you know what made us through the storm? Wasn't great preaching. You know what made us through the storm? Wasn't a great leader. Well, you know what made us through the storm? Wasn't great music. Wasn't great programming. Wasn't a great building. We had folding chairs and an overhead projector. You know what got us through the storm? Unity. Everybody in that room, everybody in that church were unified on one thing. We want to serve God. We want to glorify him. We want to lift high the name of Jesus. And we believe that we can be a lighthouse to our community. That's it. And so there until now, many times God brings you through these times and he brings you through these storms, not to destroy you, but to build you, to, to develop you, to work in you. Remember, a calm sea never makes a skillful sailor. The only way you learn skill, the only way you develop character, the only way you have depth and maturity in your life as a person, as a Christ follower, is to go through some trials and some tribulations, to go through some storms and be able to tell the story. And what gets you through it is not being on your own, but walking together through that. The, th the third anchor here is, is renewal. Renewal. In the middle of the storm, it's important to remember renewal. Look at verse 33. And with dawn about to break, Paul called everyone together and proposed breakfast. I knew I liked this guy. <laughs> All right, let's just eat. And this is the 14th day we've gone without food. None of us have felt like eating. But I urge you to eat something now because you're going to need your strength for the rescue that's ahead. You're going to come out of this without even a scratch. Verse 35. And he broke the bread and he gave thanks to God and he passed it around. And they all ate heartily. And 276 of us, all told, when the meal finished and everyone was full. Can you imagine fighting this storm for two weeks with little nourishment? But renewal is what guards you and I from complete uh, depletion in the storm. Personal nourishment is crucial during the storm. It's the self-feeding that's the key. It's the spiritual renewal of prayer and the word and fellowship. Again, when you're in a storm, many times what you want to do is retreat. Many times what you want to do is pull away from, but what you've got to do is stay in prayer because you go, I don't want to pray because I'm just going to cry. I'm, you just don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's happening at home. You don't know what's happening. I, I, I may not, but here's what I can tell you is, is when you begin to take it to the Lord, you, you can talk to everybody else about it, but when you begin to take it to God in prayer, there's a certain amount of spiritual renewal that begins to happen and God replenishes and works. When you get into his word, even when you don't feel like it, even when it's a discipline, even when there's no delight and there's no desire, you begin to plant God's word in your heart. Why? And because God's word will never return void. It will never show up empty. It will never come back empty. It will always produce, always produce. Even when you don't feel it, it will always produce. Remember, we walk by faith and not by emotions. Emotions are when we feel it. Faith is when we don't feel it. Faith is speaking things that are not as though they are. They're, 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 they're believing in what God said. And fellowship, 
Many times when you go through a storm, you want to pull back from everybody and everyone. That's a time to huddle together and let's all eat. That's a time to, to let's give thanks for what we have and let's just break bread. That's a time for us to sit down and be together. And here's what's interesting. When you're in a storm, the reason why you want isolation from God, from others, and from the church is because the enemy knows if he can isolate you, he can pick you off. If he can isolate you, he can take you out. But even if you're struggling, even if you're dealing with something, when you're together, when you're working together, when you're around one another, you can call unity. Uh, you, you can call accountability to one another. You can strengthen and encourage one another. You can call one another out. But even in that, there's a band of brotherhood, a band of sisterhood. There's, there, there's this coming together, this feeling like I'm not alone. Because you and I were never created to be alone. This is why rejection is so, so, so damning to us emotionally and psychologically. Because we were never created to be alone. Look at it. When God made Adam, he says, good, he's not alone. This is not good. He doesn't need to be alone. And so God created Eve and because both of them need each other. And guess what did Adam need and what did Eve need? They needed God to walk with him in the cool of the day because we are created as the creation to be connected with the creator. Therefore, if the enemy can sever your time in God's word, if he can sever your time in prayer, he can sever that, that spiritual relationship that you have as a creation to the creator, he can isolate you. And then if he, can, if he can sever your relationship with other healthy Christians and brothers and sisters in your life that can come alongside you, if he can do that, he can take you down. The Bible says, woe to the man who falls and no one hears him when he falls. You know, that, 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 that you and I, that, that when we come together, when we're together, that, that basically a three-stranded cord is very difficult to break because we're together. Even when we pray, the Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Even when Jesus sends out the disciples, he sends out the 70 to be able to, to, to preach the gospel. And to, before, he, before the crucifixion, before everything happens, he sends them out to do ministry. He sends them out two by two. Why? Because you're able to encourage one another. Because there's going to be days, there's going to be moments when you're going to need renewal, where you're going to need that spiritual strength between you and the Father and between brothers and sisters in Christ. When I see people that are in the middle of a storm, even a storm that they've created, this is one of the very first things that they do. You see this with kids. When a child's done something that they know is wrong, they go hide themselves. It's shame. I want to get away. I want to isolate myself. And you begin to look. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And finally you find Johnny. You find Sally. And they're hiding. And then they start crying. And then you find out that they broke something or they did something. And they're embarrassed and they're ashamed. Same thing Adam and Eve do when they realize we just committed the first sin, and now we hear God coming, and we, what do they do? They go, hide. Isolation. Let's just push away from. Things are going wrong, bad at home. You just push away from everybody. Things are going bad in your relationships. You push away from everybody. Things are going bad at business. You push away from everybody. Because the shame and the guilt, the condemnation. Remember, condemnation is a perversion of conviction. God is not the author of condemnation. That's the, that's the enemy of your soul and my soul, Satan himself. John three seventeen. for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. He tries to break that apart. And Paul's like, hey, I know you haven't felt like eating. I know you haven't felt like this. We've been in the middle of this storm, in the middle of this fight, but let's all have breakfast. Yay, man. 
And the last thing that we see, the last anchor here, is reality. Reality. Look at verse 39. And at daybreak, no one recognized the land, but, they, but then they noticed a bay with a nice beach. That's my kind of land. And they decide to try to run the ship up, the, up on the beach. And they cut the anchors, and they loosed the tiller, and raised the sail, and ran, before, and, and, and ran before the wind toward the beach. But we did not make it. Still far from the shore, we hit a reef, and the ship began to break up. Verse 42. And the soldiers decided to kill the prisoners so that no one could escape by swimming. But the centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them. And he gave orders for anyone who could swim to dive in and go for it, and for the rest to grab a plank. And everyone made it to shore safely. 276 people began the voyage. 276 were promised safe voyage. 276 ended the voyage safely on the island of Malta. God's faithful. In the middle of your storm, in the middle of what you go through, in the middle of trials and tribulation, God's faithful. God will always be faithful. None of us are, are promised some magical escape clause. <laughs> when we came to faith in Christ, it's not guaranteed that we're gonna, everything's going to come up roses and we're not going to have any problems. I actually believe that passivity is faith's enemy, that to be passive that not having to engage in, 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 in any type of storm is actually probably the most detrimental thing that can happen. Because you're going, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. There's going to be storms and trials and tribulations. And it's not acceptable for you and I just to fold our arms and wait for it to pass. But we have to understand that the reality is that God's going to see us through. God's not going to leave us. God's not going to forsake us even to the very end. He's got a plan and we're gonna get home safe. And so today, I just wanna pray for you. I just wanna pray for you. Maybe you're in calm waters today and, and life is great, that's awesome. And this is just one of those lessons for another day. Maybe you are just coming into a season when all hell is beginning to break loose. And this is just a word for there's a season in your life that's coming that you're about to enter into that's gonna be a bit tumultuous and it's gonna be a storm, but God's gonna see you through. And these four anchors of stability and of renewal and reality, and they're just in unity. They're, they're gonna be, they're, let those be anchors that walk you through. Maybe you're in the middle of it and you just need to hold on to one of those things. Maybe you're just coming out on the other side Thank God for the reality that 276 started and 276 got to shore. I don't know, but what I do know is that God does and that we all face storms. And even though we may be shipwrecked, we're not abandoned. God's got a plan and God began to work that out. And even there on Malta, what's interesting about that island as opposed to others are the natural catacombs and natural caving systems that are actually there that people, they lived and they were able to find protection and shelter right there. Even if you do the history uh, into World War II, there were bomb shelters as, uh, as the, uh, the, that island was just bombed in the middle of everything that was happening. 
God's got a plan. He's got a provision. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I just thank you today that, God, that we're not alone, that you've not left us, you've not forsaken us, but rather, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. And it's good. Even if it means sometimes we have to grab a plank and float for a while, it's good. Even if it means that we're having to, 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 to kind of get to our destination a little bit more worn and tattered than what we, what we planned on, we're still getting there. God, you have it all in control. So I pray today, help us to walk in stability in the middle of a storm and trust in you. Help us to walk in unity and not pull away. Help us to be renewed and to make sure that we're spending that time with you and your word and brothers and sisters in Christ that strengthen us. Relationships that strengthen us. Friendships in you that strengthen us. And when it's all said and done, that we see and experience the reality that you have seen us through the entire time. In Jesus' name, amen.